Fill her up. You're listening to the Gas Digital Network. What is up, my fellow addicts? It is Ralph Sutton and who? Oh, me, Jay. It is Jay. Today, very excited to have host of Love Lines, host originally of The Man Show, podcast extraordinaire, oh, Adam yeah. Carolla. What did you say? I said, no, that's, that's true. By podcast extraordinaire, one of the uh, godfathers of the uh, podcasting craze. Yeah, he really uh, one is. One of the first a... ones that went really, really huge like that. And he's also just like, a funny guy. I remember my, from Love Line and stuff as a kid. So this was exciting for me. I was actually pretty geeked up to talk to him. So Yeah. The only thing I will say, which in all honesty, we were given a short amount of time with him. They told yeah. us ahead of time we only had 45 minutes, but 45 minutes better than nothing. That's what I say, Jay. Goddamn right. We do this minutes, I'd say it's 15 minutes too much. Hey, what? Huh? <laughs> Uh, we do the show every Wednesday and Saturday, 9 p.m. Eastern Time at gas at digitalnetwork.com. Or you can listen a few days later anywhere you take in podcasts with commercials. Or if you I take them the in my ears, dude. Where the fuck do you take them in? In my butt. Oh. Why? I, heard it hit your blood, I heard it hits your bloodstream faster that way, though. <laughs> it does. You That's how I do Shannon's podcast. You retain the info more when it goes that way. Uh, I, take, you know, I, I take in the thing is ding right in my <laughs> bing. He just, he just takes the dings. He doesn't do anything else. <laughs> Uh, go to uh, gasdigitalnetwork.com. Use the code SDR. Get 20% off the entire network and a 14-day free trial. And here it is right now, the Adam Carolla episode of the SDR, oh, the SDR show. This is the intro to the shit show. Sex, drugs, and rock and roll. This is the hit show. Show me a tit show. It is the SDR show, sex, drugs, and rock and roll show. I am Ralph Sutton, and with me, nice to see him as always, is Mr. Big J Okerson. How are you, sir? Hey, buddy. How you doing, by the way? Doing okay. Busy weekend, so trying to get back to normal quarantining. Oh, yeah, because I, I bailed on your comedy show just because it was too far and too expensive for me to go there. I know Shannon went. Shannon, did you enjoy yourself? I loved it. It was so much fun. It was a great show. Outside comedy. I don't know how I feel about it, but... uh. I'm sorry I couldn't go. I just didn't want to spend it. was a $150 Uber ride. I just wasn't doing it. Sorry. It was a fun weekend. We had a bunch of people. Lewis came and did uh, two of the nights with me. Sal Volcano from Practical Jokers. Ari Shafir came with me a couple nights. Or one of the nights. <coughs> Dan Soder, Justin Silver. It was great. Cool. I mean, I probably should have gone, but I'm an antisocial asshole. So now, a guy that we're very excited to have on the show. I mean, God, his credit list of being not only from TV, voice actor, podcaster, author, uh, his new book, I'm Your Emotional Support Animal, and a couple of other credits to his name. It is Mr. Adam Carolla. How are you, sir? I'm well. Thanks for having me. You are a, uh, a well-storied uh, entertainment dude. It really is interesting. I always do a deep dive into people before they come on the show and often surprised to learn things that I didn't know. And uh, with you, there were, there were several. Well, let's hear him. I'm curious. Well, first of all, I will he's start. Be, I, I know. I can already tell you he's going to be obvious things. You're going to make yourself look like an ass. No, I'm not. Okay, so look. You we'll, were the original host of The Man the Show. The Man Show. Mm. Apparently, love lines. Uh, well, let's start with you are far more manly than I will ever be when I look at your career of pre you know, entertainment, which we know you were uh, a contractor, carpenter. I didn't not know boxing instructor. Did you know that, Jay? Yes. All right. And then what I didn't know also, we'll get into uh, entertainment stuff, but that you started by you were training um, Jimmy Kimmel for a fight, and that's how you two met. 
Yeah, that's uh, that's that's how how it worked. I, I was uh, working as a carpenter. I was working as a boxing coach at one of those kind of white collar boxing places that got kind of popular out here in the Los Angeles area in in you know circa 1994. And so I was teaching a bunch of lawyers and pilots and doctors and stuff really and, and housewives and you know secretaries and shit i was just teaching everyone how to box but like not professional fighters but not like a goofy class like where everyone's dancing around you were doing one-on-one -on -one boxing training i i taught classes and i had one-on-one -on -one, uh private you know teach i had private students and i just worked at it was like a it was a boxing gym that was like a little more upscale and if you really wanted to learn how to box, you could learn how to box. If you wanted to burn calories, you could burn calories. It was called Bodies in Motion. And it was in uh, the Pasadena area. Mm -hmm. And I, I worked, I taught the morning class. And then I went and, and I worked as a carpenter, you know, during, during the rest of the day. Basically, I just freelance. I just worked mm -hmm. for myself. Did you, ever, did you ever get laid like a regular personal trainer? No, no, I, I never, I, you know, I had, I had, you know, and I, I, I was a carpenter. I never got laid when I worked in anyone's house and I was a boxing coach. I never got laid. So, because what happened was, is I was very technical about boxing and I was a little pig headed about it. And I wanted to teach everyone how to box. And a lot of the other people, we had past champions and professional fighters and stuff. They would just go punch high, punch low, punch high, punch low. And I was like trying to teach everyone the form. So my class became the form class, which just got a bunch of dudes in their 40s who kind of wanted to learn how to box. And all the hot chicks who just want to look good in a bathing suit took the aerobic class for the guy who wasn't teaching any form. It's probably good anyway, because if you try to get laid, you're, tr you're currently training them to fight back. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> It, your point it also reminds me of that south park episode where they were teaching wrestling or wrestling like one guy was just doing it for the fun and one was trying to teach the the technical aspect of actual wrestling i would imagine you were in good shape you're doing carpentry and boxing were you like in great shape at that point it, it was crazy like i couldn't get fat because i had three things going and jay i like the idea that you typify a sexual encounter with me as being able to fight back. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's almost understood, Adam. It's every almost, once in a while it's voluntary. Every once in a while it's voluntary. <laughs> you expect you almost expect it. You expect it. Yeah, sometimes they'll submit just from the threats. And that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just find all I have to do is lift my sweat jacket up and it just when they just see the handle of the gun, that's it that's enough. That's enough. Isn't it? <laughs> they know Carole is not playing games today. <laughs> There's not even bullets in it half the time. <laughs> Coach so, Carole means business. I uh, yeah, so I had this this trifecta. I taught boxing uh, for a living. I was a carpenter for a living, and I was poor as fuck. So I couldn't even afford to like go out and eat or or do anything. So I was I was felt, and then I got into radio, and when I got into radio. And me and Jimmy just trying to figure out where we're going to eat after every morning show. I, I put on 20 pounds like like the second I got the radio. But I was, uh, this, as the story goes, I was uh, done with my boxing class. I was driving 
over Laurel Canyon, heading into the into the city. To uh, I, I had I had an entertainment unit in my truck that I was building a customer back when they had the drawers with the VHS tapes all lined up in them and all that stuff. And I was, I was listening to the radio and I heard Kevin and Bean out here in, uh, on K rock. I heard them talking about this boxing match between uh, Michael, the maintenance man, who's the maintenance man. And then Jimmy, the sports guy who is Jimmy Kimmel. I had no idea who either one of these. I, I knew Michael the maintenance man had been on the radio station for like three or four years. Uh, Jimmy was new. Jimmy had been there for just really like three months. And I I thought, well, I could train one of these guys to box and, and I could like see the inside of the studio. That that was that was my, my that's all the thoughts I had. Like, wouldn't it be cool if I could show up at the studio and I could see it and meet everyone and see what so they No desire like. at that point to be in radio, but just to see behind the looking glass, like to peer inside, so to speak. I, I thought, well, wouldn't it be killer to, you know, be interviewed on Kevin and Bean or make some jokes or something? Like, I had an interest, but it wasn't really a logical, practical interest. Mm -hmm. I, I couldn't see a straight line to get on the radio. I, I thought... Maybe I could go to the radio station. Maybe I could meet these guys. Maybe they would let me talk into the mic and I could have a cassette of it. I could play my grandkids <laughs> or something. So uh, I got to the job and I, I asked if I could use the phone back, you know, when you'd go into someone's house and use their phone. You know, I didn't have a cell phone. And uh, I called the radio station and I couldn't get anybody to pick up and I kept leaving messages. And uh, you, as you can imagine, nobody picked mm -hmm. up the phone. And, and every day after that, I would hear him talking about, we're, we're having a boxing match. We need trainers. We need equipment. We need a venue. And sometimes trainers would phone in and they'd put them on the air. And I'd be like, no, no, don't pick this guy. And I'd call and keep calling. They never called back. So after probably about four or five days, I went to the radio station. I, I found out where the radio station was. It was in a commercial office building in Burbank, California. And glamorous. I, <laughs> yeah, I, I had to go there at uh, I had to go there at like six fifteen in the morning because I taught uh, like a seven a.m. boxing class. So I had to get there early, and I went there early. And the building was locked. I couldn't get in the door of the building. It's just a commercial building, no key card or, or whatever. And I found out that the building opened at 7. So I went and taught my boxing class. The next day, I got a guy to cover my class for me. And I went back, and I got into the building, and I went up to the ninth floor where K-Rock was, but K-Rock was closed. So now it's like 7.30 in the morning. K-Rock doesn't open until 9. You know that thing where they give away beer koozies and they go come during business hours to right. claim the prize? You know, right. it's 9 to 5 or the business. So K-Rock's closed. I'm standing there by the elevator. Uh, I'm looking around. I know Kevin and Bean and maybe Jimmy and maybe Michael, the maintenance man. I know they're in there somewhere, but they're not going to come answer the door because right. I'm out front where the receptionist is, you know, and the doors are locked. So I'm just kind of pacing around the elevator, trying to think if I should come back or what I should do. And some guy comes out of the elevator and 
he looks like he's got a key card, looks like he works there, and he starts heading down this sort of back hall, like for the back door. And I start walking with him, and I'm, I'm like, are you heading in? And he's like, yeah, I'm going in. I, I don't know if he was refilling a vending machine or if he was doing something, but he, he, he could get in. And I just said, hey, if you're going to go in there, tell those guys that there's a boxing coach, I'm out in the hall, and I'm just going to be waiting out in the hall. Jesus. And I said, okay. <laughs> and I just stood out in the hall for, you know, 20 minutes or something Probably like that. The same line you used on the potential dates. Just tell That's them right. the boxing guy outside. Yeah, and I lifted my shirt. <laughs> I'm going to be waiting until someone comes out. So I stood out there, and after, I don't know, 20 minutes, 15 minutes, whatever, uh, Jimmy just just came walking down this long hall. And I didn't know who he was or anything. And, it, and I knew it wasn't – I knew Michael the maintenance man was black. So I knew this must be Jimmy. Mm -hmm. And uh, he just walked up to me. It was like, you know, between commercial breaks or something because they were on the air. And I just said, I'm, I'm a boxing coach. I'm a good guy. I'm, I'm good at what I do. I can, I can really help you a lot. And he was like, yeah, okay. And uh, I said, so well, what's that mean? You know, I said, why don't we just get started? And I said, okay, you know, what time do you get done? Or what time can you meet me in Pasadena? And he said, I'll meet you at noon in Pasadena at the, at the thing. I just like gave him the address and I just left. And, and he showed uh, up. He showed up. Here's the question. Did he win the fight? No, he didn't. He didn't win the fight. Did he lose badly? No, they both sucked. Is okay. basically worked. And the, uh, I think Pat O'Brien called the fight. And I think the judges were Adam Sandler and oh, John wow. Wayne Bobbitt. Oh, Jesus. Jesus Christ. That's is, really Pat is Pat O'Brien the one that had the audio tapes that came out a while back? Like yeah, he, he wants to do coke off the girl's pussy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ah, that was great. Yeah, yeah. I know. Who knew he would go on to greatness? You, know? <laughs> <laughs> you didn't see the twinkle in his eye that day. All right. Oh, the Come two guys that really got on with it is John Wayne is crushing it now, uh, and Pat O'Brien is crushing it. I don't want. I don't know what happened to Sandler. He. I, he <laughs> He's probably middling somewhere, right? <laughs> uh, also, by the way, because KROQ is where you started, I read that you were working on a KROQ documentary, but it still is, like, not happening yet. Are you still working on that? Yeah, I make documentaries kind of on the side or have a sort of side production company. And, the newest uh, one being uppity about that uh, black race car driver, right? Yeah, yeah. So three of them are on Netflix right now, if you want to watch them tonight or anyone listening wants to watch him um uppity first black uh indy first black driver at the indy 500 um there is uh uh the 24-hour war which is ford v ferrari the the documentary so the matt damon movie essentially mm -hmm. the christian bale movie we made the doc before the movie came out and then um shelby american which is this story of carol shelby they're they're all three on the netflix I, I see a theme with them yeah uh i like race cars i have a <laughs> lot of race cars and and right behind me you can see a picture someone painted me of uh paul newman and his uh oh, Porsche cool. 935 which is uh a car i own and in race and uh we also made a doc called the winning the racing life of paul newman which is about paul newman's racing career 
Uh, you know, it's funny. Jay, are you a, a race uh, enthusiast? Because I know very little about it. I've learned a little more about it because uh, Jacob, the producer of uh, my Sirius XM show, is a huge NASCAR fan. So we uh, we had interviewed as a group Joey Logano, very good guy after he won the uh, championship. And then we uh, and then he individually interviewed Kurt, Kurt Bush, right. Kyle Bush, maybe Kyle Bush. Yeah. Whoever it was, he was a bit of a douche. Like I have a, a friend that works for the Andretti family. He does all their corporate sponsorships. I was actually talking to him today. They're a pretty big deal, I think, right? Yeah, they're 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 kind of uh, there's a few names that are pretty legendary, and uh, the Andrettis are definitely. Jay yeah, never believes you when I tell these stories, Jay. So go go fuck yourself, Jay. All right, I see you look in your eyes. I don't like it at all. Just Ralph always knows a guy who met somebody who knows something. He works. I literally talking today. Hi, Jay. Before we go any further, let me tell you about one of our longtime sponsors. So happy to have them on not only the SDR show, but they are sponsoring Skankfest. It is Yo Kratom. Yo Kratom. Yo Kratom.com. Dot com. Home of the $60 kilo. The best value in Kratom online shipped right to your door. No questions asked. If you've never tried Kratom before, well, stop listening right now. We're not talking to you. We're talking to the people like Shannon that are into their Kratom, that love their Kratom, but want to make sure they're getting high-quality Kratom. If you're a dork, don't listen to this. If you're a scared <laughs> dork, afraid to walk on the edge of life. What are you, don't a puss? And don't even listen to us. But if you want to live out loud like Ralph, just <laughs> living life on the edge of a sword, Yokratom. 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 It's only $60 a kilo. Normally, uh, double that, if not more. Or you go to some gas station. You're picking up some crappy Kratom that they made in the backyard. You want real stuff, real Kratom, you go to yokratom.com. They also have wholesale prices, which is pretty dope. Yeah, unheard of it. It's, they ship nationwide. They have a variety of high-quality Kratom to choose from. And if you're a fan of Kratom, why not just go straight to the source, yokratom.com. So the last time. If you are currently a fan of Kratom, that's, I'm, that's straight out of the copy right there. <laughs> the last time, if you're a fan of Kratom, like Shannon, a real problem child, go to YoKratom.com, $60 kilo. Let's get back into it. Um, let me ask you this. Also, in the things that I did find out about Mr. Adam Carolla, I knew you were always a part of Crank Yankers. I didn't realize you helped create Crank Yankers. Yeah. Yeah, we were, uh, Jimmy and I were sitting in a office for a lot of years. And um, one of Jimmy's earliest things was he loved crank phone calls. That was just his thing. I mean, every guy between, you know, the age of uh, 41 and 55 loved, you know, grew up with crank phone calls. I don't know. It's probably not going to be a big deal today, but uh, we'd always talked about trying to do a TV show, but somehow having crank phone calls. And we could never really figure out how to execute a show with those calls. And then at some point we come up with crank yankers and having, having it acted out by puppets. But uh, yeah, that was while, while we were working on the man show, I think we were planning on our next venture and that was crank yankers. Now also fantastic. I know it was interesting and, and going through the change of times, uh, even now, I was talking to uh, Florentine right before it came back uh, recently, and he was like, uh, <laughs> "I was like, is it special Ed? They're going to have the special Ed character?" And he was like, "No, probably not. <laughs> like, yeah. like that will not fly now." Uh, well, if I had a vote, uh, I'd, I'd I'd put him back. But of course, uh, it was hilarious. You, 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 so that that leads me into you. You were part of that documentary about free speech. I know safe spaces, and 
you, you are a big advocate for all things to be said and everything is, is fair and love and war, so to speak. And you said something that I found interesting that you firmly believe you should never apologize for anything you say. Do you still stand by that? I don't, you know, I've a, I, I think you should personally apologize to people that either you've hurt, offended, or you'd like to get a blowjob from at some point in your, your life, you know, I mean, piss your fucking wife off or whatever. I, I've, I have apologized. You know, I've apologized to Jimmy. I've apologized to my daughter. Like I've apologized personally to people that I've done where, where I was out of line or I crossed the line or I raised my voice or, or what have you. That, that I'm a big proponent of. I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. Apologizing to the mob who doesn't really want you to apologize in the first place. They just want power over you. So they just want you to basically bow before them. They're not interested in the apology at all. As a matter of fact, they're not even pissed off about what you said. Half the time, the people that are most pissed off are, aren't even in the group that you're making fun of. Right. Exactly. So, oh, them, you can't apologize to them because they're, they're hostage takers. They'll take uh, I, more I, hostages. I, I, I say that I have a thing in my, current uh hour that i'm doing where i'm saying that like uh at a radio thing where a guy got mad at me for saying a word and saying that i was like not that i feel bad about saying that it was it was a joke that was harmless and meant nothing about fictitious people but i was like yeah i bummed him out let me apologize to him even just directly because i was like ah i assumed it was that i said the word retard and i said my assumption was that he had a family member or something or a child that was mentally challenged he hears it it bums him out to argue with this guy that I can say whatever I want in the name of comedy is a waste of time. So I was like, let me apologize to him. And I said, and that ended up being the waste of time. He, all he goes, I apologize humbly. And he just came back with more and more and more. And you're like, dude, like, I get it. <laughs> like, it's like, you don't want because exactly. He doesn't want an apology. He wants to like, he still wanted me to be like fired and whatever, like his right. end game was. It was insane. The thing I think is weird though. A lot of comics say, which I disagree with that. Like you just said it in a, in a slightly different way, but for the name of comedy, you should be able to say whatever you want. And the reason why I find that weird is you don't go to school to be a comedian. It's strange to say, well, comics can say whatever they want, but everybody else can't because what defines a comic? Do I go up on stage once as an open mic or now I, I can? Think, I think this has to be comics because comics, I think, I think the reason why is I think because, because comics, comedians, you do know the intention of what's happening on that stage. You do know the intention. Now, I think anybody who's not a comedian can make a joke about whatever thing they want to make a joke about. Do you know right. what I'm saying? But like, uh, but also they could but, be but, is, but sometimes you might, have to, if it's not very good, you have to go, by the way, that was a joke. Yeah. Yeah. Like that was totally a joke. And you, then context tone means a lot in those situations. Did it but, bother you, Adam, that, that, uh, Jimmy apologized for the, the sketches, the, the blackface thing or whatever he just did that, that was like a big thing. And he apologized for that. No, it didn't. It didn't bother me because he lives in that world, and it's it, it's a whole corporate scene. And it's right. like if you want to live in a kind of mainstream world, which a lot of people do. I mean, it's right. it's it's called mainstream. People know who you are. You you right. know, you host the Oscars and the Emmys. You you make good money and all that kind of stuff. If if you're you know, I'm not one of these. I'm not like one of these artists that's like all hardcore, you know, I, 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 I'll do a stupid commercial if you pay me enough, you know, I mean, like I used to make fun of Mountain Dew all the time. And then at some point they offered me 50 grand to do some voiceover thing. And I was like, yeah, I'll take that check. And then Jimmy, 
used to make fun of me. Jimmy would go, you're such a sellout. All you do is make fun of Mountain Dew. And then as soon as they pay you 50 grand, you just do the voiceover. And I was like, yeah, but who's the joke on? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I'm making fun of Mountain Dew. And then they give me 50 grand? Come on, that's smart. Right. That by the smart. way, what did I say? No to 50 grand? I used to teach boxing for 20 I used to teach for $20 a class. I taught, I taught, wow. anyway, I, I completely, when, when you're in that world, you're almost like a politician. You know what I mean? It's but that's just, the difference. I'm sorry to cut you off, but when you said that, because I watched the video, you were on Fox and you were talking with, uh, the guy that used to wear the bow tie, I forgot his name, but, uh, whatever his fucking uh, name. Tucker Carlson. Tucker, and you talked about how, you know, people shouldn't have to apologize. You're in it. What you're saying is what I agree with. When you're in a different space, Jimmy has to apologize or he might lose his job. You're it's not, not just his job. It's, it's, it's a thousand jobs. It's a thousand jobs. I, 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 I watched that happen. I watched that. One of my oldest uh, buddies, I started a comedy with Kevin Hart. Uh, and, and watching him go through that with the Oscars thing. And he was like, and right when he was at any kind of real moment where he was like, I apologize for this. I was a younger person. I wouldn't make that joke today. Whatever. And they're like, no, we still need your head. <laughs> and he was like, I'm not apologizing anymore. I get stupid. It is stupid. The problem is when it gives that much attention. Did you watch, did either of you guys watch the, uh, the Kevin Hart docuseries? Yeah, Netflix? I did. I mean, that was uh, the girl that worked at his office. I haven't talked to him since the documentaries come out or anything, uh, circumstantially, but like he, uh, but his, the girl at the office who was over, like, she's like, I don't know. I, I just need a few weeks to see if I can get past this and, remember who you are and the other things you've done and that you've changed and all. he had to like make these weird oh. like and it was just like this dumb lesbian is not upset about this this much she's like full of shit do you know what i mean like she's made she knows who he is and she knows that it was a joke she deals in his world so it's just to to get that couple seconds of fame to be like well i'm hurt but maybe through time i can get past it fucking yeah it's it's fuck off you doofus dyke <laughs> <laughs> Worst uh, Peanuts character ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jimmy is a sincere guy, and Jimmy is a good guy. And Jimmy, I'm not saying he fabricated his apology. He apologized probably to whoever was upset about it. And also, the stuff we're talking about is 20 years old. Right. Some of it 20 years old plus. So it's like, I get it. I just, I don't like the world where this is, I, you should apologize when you want to apologize, not uh, a world where you're trying to save your livelihood, your job. And, right. you know, and it, it never seems real. It always seems, it always seems forced and fake. And then you just do it, whatever. I don't know. Well, the mo I'll tell you who gets mad about everything, every uh, quote unquote injustice to every race, culture and creed is uh, young white girls. Those are yeah. the ones that just want to rage again. No matter what, they want to take you down for real. Yeah, Shannon, it's all your fault. Yeah. <laughs> your mic's you off, Shannon. white bitch. You dumb bitch, your mic's off. No wonder. <laughs> it's a thanks for calling me young. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys, real quick, let's talk about one of our amazing brand new sponsors over here at the SDR show. And that, of course, is my bookie. My bookie brings back the winning season, and the winning season is the coolest because what it means is they double your first deposit. This is online gambling, Ralph. I know you have a hard time with that because you're not a sports guy. I'm not a sports guy, but I get gambling. Yes, well, you basically have to deposit money, and then you gamble with it online on all kinds of sports uh, and activities. Uh, sometimes they even have different things outside of the sports world that you can gamble on. I mean, you like gambling. 
Uh, and if you're going to do it, MyBookie is the online place to do it. The NFL season is coming back, supposedly, Ralph. And uh, gambling on football is going to be a lot of the money this year going around on football. There's no audience, I don't think. We're going to do it with no audience this year. So people are going to be at home. The gambling is going to be up. I believe that to be very, very true. And right now, when you deposit your money, they are going to double your first deposit. From live betting to, champ- to championship futures, every play you want to make is waiting at my bookie. It's simple. You make your picks, you win big, you collect your cash. Very, very simple. And if you use the uh, promo code SDR, uh, as we said before, they're going to double your first deposit. So new players get up to $1,000 in free play. Uh, it's designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. Just to go out there and have some fun. Don't fuck your life up. Don't have your kids uh, wondering where daddy is. Have a little fun. Throw Can a little action a on it. About this? Does it make you happy that you know that I will never ruin a game for you? Like, I know you get very, when the, especially when NFL starts, it means a lot to you. Your team, you know, uh, I don't even know the name of the team. The Philly what? I don't know who they are in, in NFL, but it's somebody. The NFLs. The Philly NFL, NFLs. I am never going to be the guy that ruins a game for you because I don't watch. I don't know. I would never do that. Does that Just make you an happy? outside guess, Ralph? An outside Philadelphia guess. Eagles. Yeah, come on. It took me come a on. second. You don't live under a rock. I know, but I forget. I don't put my brain. The, the part of my brain doesn't want to be wasted space of knowing that. I know, but I don't know anything about hockey or baseball. But I could tell you the name of the city's teams. Can you tell me the name of a? Let's pick a, a Texas team in hockey. Dallas Stars. Is that real? I don't know if that's right. I'm going to take your word for it. It is right. Okay, fine. Good enough. Fair enough. Use the promo code SDR. They double your first Ralph, deposit. BetMeOnMyBookie.com if Dallas <laughs> Stars are a real team. Let's make that a real bet. Uh, <laughs> new players, as Jay said, get up to $1,000 in free play. Go to MyBookie. Is it MyBookie.com? Is it at MyBookie.ag? It is MyBookie.ag. MyBookie.ag. Uh, it should say that in the copy. It's kind of weird that it doesn't. It doesn't. Go to go my, to my bookie, my bookie.ag. Use promo code SDR. You're going to double your first deposit. Go win big. Go have fun at mybookie.ag. All right, let's get back into it. Uh, Can I say so, before we uh, change subjects to uh, something else here? I just want to say also, uh, as a, I'm doing comedy now 21 years, and I always I have such a catalog. Cal, doing comedy calluses you so much to to humor sometimes you know you're just taking it in more like listening to it than you are just trying to enjoy it and so i covet so much the things that have made me like laugh through my life and get me and being a teenager and listening on headphones going to bed love line i think it became ultimately like a and at the time it may even been kind of like one of your like like a go-to line but your timing of it where how much i went to school and and tried to retell the story of a girl calling in and uh, say, I think it was like she has herpes because her baby's father got herpes from having sex with like her sister. So everyone has got herpes now. And, uh, and it was just this weird dead silence. And uh, you just went, good times. <laughs> I don't know why that timing of that. Just it was one of my favorite. Uh, I, I mimic it today to this day still, which is such a great kill the tension line well good times it's funny about that is that also i used to listen to love lines i was a strip club dj on the way home from work they would play it and i swear and the first time i ever felt that this wasn't true was when i met jay because i was listening to you on love lines and i used to think there's no way you didn't know these stories beforehand because your jokes were so fucking quick and funny that you had to know like someone fed you lines or at least a story beforehand and i thought no one could be that quick 
And then the next time I met someone, I felt that way was Jay, who's super fast like that. And I've never felt like you said, you say, how is this guy this fucking quick? It used to blow my mind. Oh, thanks. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think. We had, a, we had a, a bank of calls. It would say the person's name. It would say the person's age. And it, it would probably say, like, you know, is scared they're pregnant or uh, hates stepdad or, or something like that. Like, it'd probably have three or four words under it. Uh, but Drew would always pick the calls. I think Drew would pick the calls and he'd just go like line six and I'd just punch it. So I never, I never really knew in uh-huh. advance what was. You know, I didn't, I said, again, I, I realized it when I met Jay that, oh no, people can be that fast. I Dude, didn't. I, thank you, buddy. I, lo- I love the, uh, that's one thing about radio that is so great. And, and I don't, you know, all my shows are just kind of like shooting the shit free form uh, shows, but the structure shows like of that, where it was like, you're taking calls, and you know what you're doing. Like, I mean, that show was so fun it must have been so fun to do yeah I, no I, call no call is no gonna fun. be boring not one right. they, they wouldn't let a call through they'll be like boring. it's always gonna be something just okay uh, girls that that enjoy being gangbang just calling in to tell the stories of it it's just so crazy it, it was a dream job for me because i listened to k-rock as you know and and i used to listen to love line you know when i was driving my truck around you know so it was like to be sitting in that seat was pretty surreal because obviously the way I'm wired, the same way you guys are wired, I found myself driving driving along in my truck at night, listening to Loveline, hearing the question come in and then coming up with a funny answer in my own head to like see if I could beat the host, you know, or be funnier than the host because that's just our, our wiring, right? Sure. So... I went from sort of fantasizing about being sitting in that, that studio with Dr. Drew, uh, I literally fantasized about, I'm, I'm driving a pickup truck and living in an apartment, I'm, I'm working as a carpenter, to being in that room, taking those calls every night with no connections, no, no connections to a radio, I, I don't know anybody, I have no idea where the station is, I have zero you know, as much connection as, as anyone would have if you just turned on your radio and heard voices coming through to hosting the show. It's pretty, it was pretty surreal. I, I always, I never quit that job until uh, I was about a decade in and I took over and started doing mornings. But I never, I, I never left. I, all the way through uh, The Man Show and uh, Crank Yankers on TV and, and uh, sorry, Crank Yankers and Loveline on TV and all, I, all, the five other jobs I had uh, every night, I just went in and did. When you look line. back on the the shows you did, which you know, you're the Adam Kroll show, your podcast, the Man Show, love is uh, is that the moment that you feel that was your the most fun for you? Because it was. I mean, also there's something to be said when you're not driving the ship and you can just be the guy that's adding the fun commentary, yeah. as opposed to having to be the Adam Carolla show where it's all you, you know, and you're just like the you could be silly and not really have to think about it. You know what I mean? Was that where you were the happiest? Well, I did have to kind of play the role of the host. Like I did have to throw it to commercial and bring us out and interview the band or whatever it is. So I was kind of the host, but it was also just Drew and I sitting in a very small room with no windows in it, kind of trying to make each other laugh or think or, or whatever, whatever that was. And 
it, you know, it also took place in the middle of the night, you know, like I, we'd be sitting, you know, the, the, it was in Culver city, California, nothing was going on in Culver city, California in the mid late nineties. It wasn't gentrified or built up or anything. And it, we just, it's like driving into this quiet industrial part of town. It's 10 o'clock at night and you just sit in this room and have this conversation with someone you really want to talk to, but you're number one in Boston and number one in Chicago and number one in Philadelphia. It's like, it's all over the place, but you're just sitting in this little room and you know, there's no internet and there's no, you know, people don't have smartphones or anything like it. It felt all a little surreal. Yeah, yeah. Also, also as a younger person listening, it was fun because it was also like salacious to a teenage kid. Yeah. You know, the, it's the funny subject matter. Like that. By the way, Doctor Drew trying to make you laugh. Did he make you laugh a lot? Doctor Drew's hilarious. Uh, yeah. remember, remember his best joke this year that COVID's not that big of a deal. Go French kiss <laughs> <Yeah>. a bum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he didn't. He didn't make me laugh. Uh, <laughs> he, he, no, I tried to make him laugh, and uh, I don't know what he did he probably tried to make me think or something. I actually learned a lot of medical stuff, obviously, because yeah. shit next to this guy. What's funny though is that you, you, we were both in radio at the same time, roughly. And there was this mystique of radio that people, anytime they got there and saw what the room actually looked like, there was always a, a feeling of disappointment, you know, cause you had the, the theory as a fan is that you're going to walk into some amazing place. Cause it sounds so wild. And there's always two idiots in a small room. And you were miserable. You know, like it was just, it's always that sort of was my show at one point was on a hundred stations, but we had a shitty little room. It was horrible. I'm sorry. I'm surprised you don't, I'm surprised you don't recognize Ralph from the upfronts. Yeah. I'm sorry sorry that you didn't mention your Sirius XM show, but I can't mention my goddamn show. It's not on anymore. (laughs) Yeah. Love lines. The, uh, yeah, it it was always, it was, it was a weird radio is a weird world because you'd be like, uh, You'd be in a chair that had duct tape all over the arms and squeaked and fell back when you got up out of it and stuff. And it, like at some point, you'd go, "Hey, we need a new chair," and they'd go, "Yeah, no, <laughs> like you wouldn't get you a chair." Like here's how fucked up radio is. Every single radio station I used to go to back in those days, when I put the headphones on, they're always busted off, and they had some packing tape or something like holding on one of the ears and the leather around the ear was all mushroomed and blown out you know sunblasted and everything in radio headphones are like an essential piece of equipment right like it's like it's like you know when i worked as a carpenter it's like a cordless drill or you know shop vac or something and it's like they wouldn't buy you a chair or headphones or anything so it's like i remember it really wasn't like show business you know i remember my agent was uh is james baby doll dixon and he represents jimmy and carson daly and uh john stewart stephen colbert and you know a lot of people he mentions before he mentions me when they ask him who <laughs> he represent and uh i remember one time he called me and he was just flummoxed and I said, I was working doing morning radio at uh, Kalis X, taking over for Howard Stern on the West Coast. And Baby Doll never been in radio. He'd all he'd done was Jon Stewart and Comedy Central and that shit, you know. 
he called me up and he said, I got a call from your program director and he says that you asked him to have uh, a jar of peanut butter uh, in, the, in, the, in the fridge, like for the people in the morning show could have some peanut butter in the morning. And, she, and he was pissed off. And he was like, he was outraged that you guys asked for peanut butter. And Dixon was like, what the fuck is going on? He's used to going to places with craft service and like chefs and shit. You know what I mean? And like the idea that I wanted peanut butter and that outraged my program director. <laughs> yeah. Radio, that's why radio, I think, also is, is dead now. They, they were so backwards thinking. I think radio could still be somewhat relevant if they were live and local, but they choose not to be. Oh, even, were, uh, but even serious, that's a big problem, I think, with serious, quite honestly, is that everything, very little talk shows are live, a decent amount of them, but like all the music, there's no energy in the DJing at all because be it's a, all pre recorded. It's 100% yeah. pre recorded from home. Yeah, and also the worst part is that you have one guy that programs every rock station. He doesn't give a shit about the nuance between hair metal and alternative. He's just booking whatever. He's playing just whatever the hits are. It's, it's, it's soulless. Um, the other, because we don't have too much time to do a couple of things I want to hit on. You were an early adopter of podcasting. You were back in 2009, which is a long fucking time ago, I think, is when your show started. Did you get into podcasting? I know the radio show was, I think, canceled and you went into podcasting. But had you already been aware of it? Was it presented to you as this is what you should do since the radio show stopped? Like, how did that, how did you become, you know, synonymous with podcasting? Well, I, I was, you know, another good radio story. I, I would, after the shows, maybe once a month, you know, the executives would come in and they'd go, you know, they'd be wringing their hands or like, you're number one in Seattle and you're number one in Vegas and you're number one in all these places, but you're number five in LA. Like we got to get the LA ratings up. And then they go, Oh, by the way, you did 60 million minutes of streaming last month. Second only to the fan who plays the Mets and Yankee games in New York. And then he'd leave, you know, and I'd go like, uh, we did 60 million minutes of streaming. Like this is in 2000 and you know, seven or eight, you know, mm. and, 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 and they go, yeah, yeah. And I'd go, well, that, doesn't that mean something? And they'd go, no, it doesn't mean anything. And I'd go, well, I, it seems, that seems like something. If, if people are good number. And it was, it was, I'm, I'm screwing it up. It was, yeah. it was like 19 million minutes of streaming in the last month or whatever it is. So what was happening was all the people that had heard me on Loveline for a decade in Chicago and Boston and DC didn't have the radio show, so I'll just go online and listen that way. So when I left, I kind of got the idea that we're already streaming this stuff and putting it out there. Um, I had done Bill Simmons's podcast a couple of times in the year or so before that. I used to be a sort of frequent guest on his podcast. So I knew what a podcast was. And I got the idea that we were already streaming. Um, but for me, I, you know, I did Loveline. I, I had such a bond with the audience, I felt. I just, I, I loved being a part of their lives, you know. And people mm -hmm. thought it was important. And, and I, I got this sort of 
intimacy from radio where people go like, God, you got me through some really hard times or you, you, you I had this tragedy happen, but you kind of helped, helped me through it, whatever. And so when I was leaving radio for the first time in, you know, 14 years to be silent, essentially at home, my impulse was just to say to everyone, look, if you want to find me, I'll just be on the internet. And if you want to hear my voice, I'll just do an hour a day or something on the internet. So it'll, it'll just be some methadone or something, like if you don't want to lose connection. And that was really the impulse. There wasn't really any business model or, or anything. And I just did it every day um, without getting paid or anything. Because just I think I read of, that you were paying for your own streaming in the beginning. And it was like thousands of dollars because you hadn't used a service or anything. Yeah, it was uh, it was a it was a weird time, which was the show was very popular, and so it was costing me like eight or nine thousand dollars a month uh, of, to pay for streaming. Right. I don't know how streaming works now, but yeah. it, it was like it was costing you know almost ten thousand dollars a month, and I I didn't have a job, <laughs> so it was, it was this weird thing, and I was like, well, you, yeah, obviously it's popular, so you can't shut it off on the other hand you're, you're paying ten thousand dollars a month it was at a time when no one took it seriously either so that that's why yeah we, there wasn't there wasn't really a model out there right i right, well, listen i gotta interrupt i'm sorry i just realized we only have few for five more minutes because you have a hard out so we got to do the first jay okay the first time ever i saw I mean, I had a lot of other topics, but I don't want to, you know, we, we try to be nice when they tell us you have to be at a certain time. The name of the show is the SCR Show, Sex, Drugs, and Rock and Roll Show. We end the show every week by asking every guest ever their first of all three. And we start with the first concert you ever went to, but we mean a big band, not some local band that no one's going to know. Just the first big concert you ever went to. I, I, I didn't have any money or car or parents that liked me when I was like young or in high school. So it was kind of tough, but one of my friends got a ticket to see the cars. Oh, wow. At, uh, like the Long Beach Civic, whatever. Damn. And uh, I think going to see the cars in, uh, you know, 1980. Wow, that's, that's a good one. I mean, that's awesome. Um, all right, now the first drug you ever did, ideally after pot, unless pot's the worst drug you ever did. No, um, I've done, uh, I guess the first drug after pot, probably mushrooms. I probably did mushrooms. And did, uh, you, did you like it? Was it, was it a, a group experience? Was it a solo experience? How old were you? I was probably like 19 and I liked it because I remember thinking this is a way to remove yourself from the society that we've created and sort of look at it like an observer from, from another planet, you know? And I remember very clearly, I was at a friend's house and I was watching TV and a commercial came on for uh, Lee Press On Nails. And it was a woman gluing red extension nails to the ends of her fingers. And I was like, we have a society where these blood red claws that are stuck to a woman's fingers are somehow sexually attractive. Like what is going, this is a weird society we've created these weird, bloody red 
claws that went. And of course, I was high as a kite. But it did kind of make me think, oh, I guess this is how you think. Because normally, when you're not high on mushrooms, or maybe just had a couple of beers, you see a Lee press-on nail commercial and you just keep moving, right? Like, you don't stop and break down the game film. Yeah, this ain't, this ain't for me. We'll move on. Yeah, the time I, the one and only time I did mushrooms, which was on this show, uh, the TV said something about something about taking time in New York City, and I thought it said getting high in New York City, and I thought the TV was talking to me, telling me that it knew that I was getting high. Ralph, in New York Ralph City. you submit to drugs so hard, like you really do. Like you said one time, you took a a, a strong weed edible, and you're like, I felt. I thought there was TV or cameras filming me. I was on a yeah. reality show. On a reality show. It's, it's weed, Ralph. Yeah, yeah. Like, relax. I'm a puss. I'm a giant puss. No, but not puss. Like, how do, you, how do you, the human being you are, ever get to a level of whether it be mushrooms or weed that you're like, oh, like the TV's talking to me. Like, you have to have some awareness still that you're like, why well, I am mean, on mushrooms? No, I'm Jay, not talking I, uh, Adam, when, when, when I turned 50. I do want to say this. It is funny. I totally agree. There's the people who go, they get really drunk, and then they're like, I'm going to go fuck with that cop's horse. <laughs> and it's like, I'm drunk all the time. I still know that's like a bad idea. <laughs> I, com I completely agree. It's exactly. It's, I've never done a thing where it was like, well, normally I wouldn't knock over this deli, but fuck <laughs> it, man. I don't know what's happening. It, I never, it never become like all my choices are different. Right. No, I get, it. I get it. Like, Adam, when I was 50 uh, for New Year's Eve this past New Year's, I took a, a strong edible and I thought I was mentally challenged. And I thought I was, I was in, found out I was in a handicapped room in a hotel and I got really upset that I just found out at 50 that I was mentally challenged person. And I believed that's it like, for hours. That's like, that's like waking up from anesthesia behavior. That's not the kind of behavior you have. Like <laughs> just from like mild psychedelics. That's I, know, crazy. I have issues. Yeah, I have issues. That's what it is. I mean, it's yeah, and almost, almost like what Adam said about the press on nails. Like I tend to fall more into that. I, I would watch something like that and have a more like an introspective idea. I'm like, why do we care about long nails? I, I, that makes sense to me. But you have more. And then if somebody, and, then, and also in the middle of telling that to somebody else about the nails, I'd be, uh, you know, it's weird. We have these nails, by the way, I'm super high and these <laughs> nails are, you know, I, I can never escape into it that much. I, guess. I get it. So then lastly, the first time you had sex, Adam. First time I had sex was in high school. Um, it was at a friend's, a friend, a friend's dad. Like it, remember, remember you're in high school. Was it, it was it. You know, when you were in high school, you had that friend who had the cool dad because he didn't mind if you partied in his uh -huh. condo and he didn't, he had, you know, penthouse laying around and he did a little coke or whatever. Like, <laughs> I realized what a tremendous, he, had, he drove a 280Z with a moonroof in it or something, or T-top. He's, definitely, he's like. definitely divorced and he's dating a girl named Cheryl. Right. And, <laughs> it, when you were 16 and a half, you thought that was cool, Dad. You now know it's like loser. <laughs> the worst dad, dad. right? But uh, I, there was a party at like cool dad's a condo. And I don't even remember if he was there. So it's like, hey, yeah, use my <laughs> condo to party. And I think we went up to cool dad's bedroom and, and I got laid. Okay. Nice. By the way, again, the way you're framing it. Really sounds like you had sex with Cool Dad, but that's not what happened. Just to be and clear. no, I should I should keep I should stop 
saying cool dad like it's yeah. like yeah i'll tell you i'll tell you at very least cool dad has a videotape of you fucking that girl <laughs> <laughs> and it I, could be it could be worse it could be it could have been shirley hemphill's condo repeated <laughs> <laughs> shirley hemphill <laughs> so your new book i'm your emotional support album is uh, sorry support animal is out uh you're the d- director of the new movie uppity the willie t ribs story which is about the first black race car driver anything else you want to plug while you're on the air here uh, you can just go to adamcarolla.com and I'm doing live shows and stand up. I thought that you have one in July 31st. Do you think that's going to happen? Yeah, I, I was in Texas uh, last weekend at uh, the Addison Improv and I'm going back uh, to, uh, oh God, where am I going? I'm going, yeah, I'm going this weekend. I'll, uh, oh, wow. I'll try to, uh, I'm trying to think, where the hell am I going? I'm going to, um, I can't think of the name of the club. It's on it. They're all up at AdamCarolla.com. It's all up at Adam. It's all up at AdamCarolla.com. Yeah. Jay? Um, BigJComedy.com for all my dates. They just moved August again. They're not opening Helium in Philadelphia in August. So I'm pushing that back uh, to October. But I still have one in September there, one nighter. Check it out. uh, BigJComedy.com. Check out The Bonfire. Check out Legion of Skanks. And, uh, and if, you know, if you can't see me live because everything's getting canceled, watch my half-hour special on Netflix, season one, episode one, Degenerates. I have a, a one-hour special out that you can probably find on. Oh, not, not Taco Bell material, correct? Yeah, I don't know. You can go to, I don't know, just Google it or something. But it's, it's on a good, Prime. I think it's on Prime. Yeah, so enjoy that if you That's want. That's your first comedy special, isn't it, or no? Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's my first. I, it came out real good. and uh, it, was, it was on my questions to talk about, but we don't have that much time with you, so I decided to just put that one into, it, into the hold position, but I'm glad you uh, brought it up. Uh, we'll Shannon, it. Shannon, your plugs real quick. Uh, follow me on Instagram at ShannonLee6982, and uh, listen to my podcast, The Thing Is Ding. We talk about bad dates, fighting, and ghosts. All right, great. Follow me over at I am Ralph Sutton. Uh, I think we'll add uh, a car song to the SDR Show playlist this week. You go to the SDRShow.com slash playlist, and we will add, uh, let's do just what I needed. Why not? It's the first track on their greatest hits. Uh, thank you so much, Adam. It was an honor to have you on, dude. Thanks, you guys. I appreciate it.